You know, the Lord always prepares you to preach the messages that he has given. And of course, I assigned myself Psalm 150 this morning, not knowing the circumstances that would occur uh, before I get to the chapel platform. And of course, we could start with a snowstorm in April as we're about ready to look at a psalm that is all about giving God praise. God knew what we needed. We tend to maybe look at the weather and be down a little bit, but God knew that we needed to be reminded that it's not about the weather, it's about God. And because we have a great God, we can praise Him. My day yesterday went totally and completely different than I was expecting. I was uh, planning to land in Milwaukee at about 8 p.m. last night, and long story short, I landed at 1 a.m. Uh, in Milwaukee last night and uh, got home at about just after just after 2 a.m. I had a little delay because not only was I really, really late getting in, but lo and behold, it was me and one other vehicle on the two-lane road coming into Watertown last night. And that other vehicle has shining lights on, on it. And uh, at, literally at 2 a.m., I got pulled over. I was going 67 in a 55. I was literally the only guy on the road. And I wanted to say to the officer, I'm trying to get to chapel. <laughs> and he wouldn't have cared. Uh, the Jefferson County Sheriff's deputy. Uh, I'm so thankful that I can give God praise because he gave me a warning. I thought I would get an applause for that, okay, but. Um, so I actually got home even a little later than I was expecting. I was trying to get home fast, but God knew what I was needing, and uh, honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to make it back last night because of the storm and all the flights were delayed, but here we are this morning coming to the conclusion of our Psalms series, and I, I don't know what you're struggling with today. But when we come to a psalm like Psalm 150, which is the conclusion of this amazing book, we started back in September uh, learning about the, from Psalm 1, learning that the, the theme or one of the themes throughout the psalms is planted and productive. We're wanting God to flow through our lives. And, we, and I was actually the one that preached Psalm 1, and, and now we're, pre we're preaching from Psalm 150, and it's hard to believe that all that time has gone by. And we've, we've gone to so many places in the Psalms. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I'm so thankful for every one of the preachers that has come and shared with us powerful truth from the Psalms. But we come to the end of the Psalms, and I, I'd like to call this the postlude of praise. As Derek Kidner in his commentary said, while the first four book, books of Psalms each ended in a doxology. The fifth rounds off the whole Psalter with an entire psalm of praise. Its brevity is stimulating. There can be no fear of flagging. Besides, all has been said, talking about the rest of the Psalter. And we can give ourselves to a sustained fortissimo of response. I like it. Uh, m most of the commentators actually use some musical terms to describe what is happening here at the end of this incredible book of poetry that was meant to be sung. And, and of course, if you know m music, fortissimo is when you have not just forte, but you have double fortes and sometimes uh, triple fortes. And it is the explosion of sound. It is, it is a loud, triumphant sound. 
Peter Lang, in his commentary, said this, There is nothing in the Psalter... There is nothing in the Psalter more majestic or more beautiful than this brief but most significant finale in which solemnity of tone predominates without, however, in the least disturbing the exhilaration which the close of the Psalter seems intended to produce as if in emblematical allusion to the triumph which awaits the church and all its members when through much tribulation they shall enter into rest He goes on to say, not only the Psalter, but the life of believers in the history of the church should conclude with hallelujah and celebrate their completeness in God with the praise of his glory. All creatures should join their voices to the praise of God, but the members of his church should lead in the choir. Once again, you see the musical terminology and how they're drawing that metaphor, and we're going to do that even this morning as well. Albert Barnes is quoted in this commentary, and he said, it was manifestly designed, whoever wrote it, to occupy the very place which it does occupy in the book of Psalms, to complete the volume devoted to praise. Praise is the suitable ending of the book. Praise is what the spirit of inspiration meant to secure in the heart and on the lips. In the review of the whole, the whole book of Psalms, there is occasion for praise. In view of all that has been disclosed, we could say in all the messages, in all the Psalms that we've already looked at, but really throughout the book of Psalms, in, in view of all that has been disclosed about God, about his religion, about the manifestations of his mercy and grace to this people, There is occasion for praise. And we as God's people must understand that it is absolutely a part of our lives that we should be tuning our hearts to sing the praises of our great God. And so I've titled the message this morning, Make My Life a Song of Praise. This is the title of the message and For many years, most of you know that my family and I traveled across the country, and actually this was one of the songs that we would sing in each of our meetings. We sang this probably probably hundreds of times as we uh, traveled for four or five years, then we would kind of rotate all the songs out, and we would We would repeat songs a lot, and this was one of our favorites. It was called Make My Life a Song of Praise by Mark Patterson. It says this, Tune my heart, O God, that I might sing for thee. Teach my lips to speak words of love and peace. Let my tongue declare thy praise. Guide my spirit, Lord, that I may live for thee. Teach me to show the goodness of thy love. Walk beside me, Lord, each day. Fill my heart with songs of joy. Fill my spirit with words of love. And let my voice be raised for thy glory alone. Lord, make my life a song of praise. I love the last verse. Lord, take my life and let me live that I might share your grace. Let everything I say and do bring glory to your name. Fill my heart with songs of joy. Fill my spirit with words of love and let my voice be raised for your glory alone. Lord, make my life a song of praise. I think that is a very appropriate title and song 
that draw us into the theme that we are looking here at this morning from Psalm 150. If you have your Bibles, please make sure you're there at Psalm 150, and we'll be walking through the psalm. Here is what we'll be doing this morning in our chapel. We'll be looking at this theme, that is that every believer must tune their heart toward a life of praise. And again, understanding that the conclusion of the book of Psalms, the entire book is really is pushing us to see God, to see how he works in our lives, to, to see what, what, uh, what choices we should make to follow him. But there is an obvious emphasis throughout the book of Psalms, and especially here at the end, uh, that our life should be consumed with, tuned, tune our heart to sing his praise, as the songwriter who wrote Come Thou Fount said, Come Thou Fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. And so we want to look at the aspects of praise four aspects of praise as we seek to tune our hearts to sing his praise that we might have a life that is a song, a life that is a song of praise. I don't know if you know this, but around this campus there are many, many pianos. And the music department, I'm sure, could tell you exactly how many of those pianos there are. And every year, our university spends literally thousands of dollars to make sure that those pianos stay tuned. Musical presentations demand significant tuning. Tuning a musical instrument is ensuring that it plays at the correct pitch. This is so important to ensure that the instrument is in tune with itself but also that it is in tune with with those other instruments that are playing with it. And of course, if you are using a piano in a performance, it must be professionally tuned because all the other instruments and voices will be submissive to the tuning or the lack of tuning it has. Anybody that is a musician has been at places where they had to try to function with a very out-of-tune piano. Anybody experience that out there? Okay, it is not fun to to even sing with an out-of-tune piano, and especially if you're trying to tune an instrument like a brass or woodwind or a stringed instrument. So a piano keyboard has 88 keys. The number of strings depends on the model of the piano, but it usually will have around 230 strings on the piano. If your piano has gone without tuning for an extended period of time, its pitch may have dropped well below standard pitch at which it was designed to perform. The standard pitch, which is what the tuner would do, is he would use the tuning fork and he would raise the pitch, and there's an entire job description of someone who is tuning a piano. And if it gets so bad out of pitch, it may actually require a procedure called a pitch raise or a pitch correction. So as a piano or an instrument needs a pitch correction to get it back into tune, I want to ask this morning, do we need, as believers this morning, do we need a heart correction? Do we need to raise some spiritual thoughts some inspirational truths in our hearts to correct our hearts that we might tune our hearts to to sing a praise with our life. Every believer should be tuning their heart to a life of praise. 
So as we look at these four aspects of praise in just a moment, I hope that God would convict us where we're griping, where we're complaining, where we're depressed, where we're down. If there's anybody that should be joyful and, and uh, expressing that joy in many different ways, it should be those of us who name the name of Christ. There should be a life of praise. And so the goal of this message is that we would leave here with a heart that is tuned. Maybe we need a heart correction like the piano needs a pitch correction. And maybe God needs to do that in our hearts today. There's something that's drawing us down and pulling us out of pitch and pulling us out of tune. So before we look at the aspects of praise, let's just do a little talk here about the definition of praise. This, this could be really an entire session because uh, you may, may know this already, that Psalm 150 actually uses the, the term Hallel 13 different times. Ten of those times are imperatives. Two of them are connected with praise to the Lord, which is where we get the term hallelujah. That begins with hallelujah and it ends with hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. And so it's important that we understand what the word means. And, and I've done a lot of reading and a lot of study about that word. And I've just kind of wrapped it up in this simple definition as I've taken some terms and terminologies and put it together in this simple definition. Because if we are going to tune our hearts to praise, we need to know what that is. What is praise? Praise is the recognition and the affirmation of God. Those two words are important because we have the intellectual, the mental acknowledgement, and then what I like to call the verbal communication of it. Okay, praise is, is not just what we think. Praise is what we affirm, what we say which is why we sing, it's why we even say things like praise the Lord, and hopefully we mean it, hopefully it's in our heart, but uh, this, is, this is, I believe, important. These two words are important. Praise is the recognition and the affirmation of God. And the accompanied responses offered back in an attitude of joy and delight. And those responses can be varied and in many different forms. I think the classic example is when we go to the house of God and we go to church and we, we have elements of worship, we have elements of praise, and there are certain things that we are doing to affirm, to show that we are affirming God and his deity and God and his greatness and God and his mighty works. I think this is a, a summary. There's many definitions we could give, but this is a summary of what many of the word study books and, and dictionaries would say. So, so the, the really, the root of the word has the idea of to, to acclaim, to boast, to glory in. The word expresses deep satisfaction found in exalting the acts and the qualities of a person that is being praised. And I just want to say this this morning because it's important that we recognize this. He doesn't need our praise. God is glorious whether we give him glory or not. God is getting praise from even his creation that doesn't have the intellect to give him praise. So we know that it's not that he needs our praise, it's that he deserves our praise. And he wants our praise. And so Psalm 150 is going to help us to see this, this idea of recognizing and affirming God in our lives. Make my life a song of praise. God, tune my heart to sing Thy grace, sing thy praises. Our life should be a life of praise. All right, so we've seen the definition of praise. And again, before we get into the four aspects of praise that are revealed in Psalm 150, 
I'm just talking a little bit about the idea of praise. Secondly, I think we need to talk about the nature of praise. And the first thing I want to say about the nature of praise is that it is absolutely necessary, not optional. And the way we see this is that this, this idea of praise is used so many times in the psalm book of the Old Testament. It is So the volume of usage and the, the amount of commands that are given showcase for us that it is absolutely necessary for us to be praising the Lord, not just with our singing, but with our life. Make my life a song of praise. It's not optional, it's necessary. Secondly, I want you to see this. It is, it is meant to be mutual, not just individual. I, I do not want to negate the fact that all of us can give God praise individually. And we should. We have private moments of worship, which we, we should have those moments every day. But I think it is important to recognize, interesting, that in the, Psalm 150, all of the usages of the word Hillel are in the plural. And I think also just the fact that it is in the Hebrew songbook of the Old Testament, it was meant to be affirmed together with other people. And so congregationally, corporately, these kinds of, these kinds of songs could be sung. And this is why I think even what we did this morning is so powerful. It is really powerful that we can give God praise in a mutual gathering, in a, in a congregation. And by the way, one of my favorite songs from Majesty Music is How Majestic Is Thy Name. It's just, man, it just resonates and Perfect song for what we're talking about here this morning. So it is meant to be mutual, not just individual. Can be individual, of course. Uh, this goes along with that as well. It is, it is public, not private. It, and uh, I mentioned this when I preached on Psalm 1, that one of, the, one of the natures of the book of Psalms, the Psalms are written to be verbalized. They are written to be vocalized. And, that, and, and when you're vocalizing something, you're not keeping it to yourself. And I think that really one of the things that should set us apart in the world in which we live is that we are people that are, that are living a life and speaking uh, the praises of the Lord. There's a praise on our lips. There's a joy in our heart. And, and this should be public. It shouldn't be a, a private thing. These were meant to be verbalized. Even Psalm 150 would have been verbalized. It is voluntary, not forced. I really believe this is important, that, that you see the connection between the belief and the inspiration of seeing God for who he is, and then the natural and normal, not forced, praise that should be in our life. There should be a joy, a satisfaction, a song in our lives because of what we know to be true about God. As Psalm 63 verse 5 says, my mouth shall praise thee. Psalm 34 verse 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Psalm 145, verse 1, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. So it's a voluntary choice, and nobody's going to force you to do this, but I, I have experienced what you have experienced, that there are many times in our lives that it's just natural. It comes out when we really have the right relationship with God that we should, when we're seeing God for who he is. And then finally, it is, Intellectual, not primarily emotional. It is intellectual, not primarily emotional. I want to, again, make sure you understand. I believe any time we're involved in praise, there's probably going to be some feelings. We should feel right about God. So I think emotion, I'm not opposed to emotions. I'm just saying we shouldn't, 
We shouldn't grab on to emotionalism. We shouldn't grab on just to how we feel. We don't just say, I felt like I praised. Praise is primarily an intellectual decision to focus your attention on who God is and what God has done. And your emotions will come along. You kind of drag your feelings behind sometimes because sometimes you don't feel good about your praise, but you still can say that you praise the Lord. And so uh, I think it's important to have these two categories, the definition of praise and then the nature of praise, so that we can tune our hearts. This is the idea that we're looking at. Tune our hearts toward a life of praise. Tune your heart toward a life of praise. So notice Psalm 150 gives us, first of all, the venue of praise. This is the first aspect of praise. Psalm 150, verse 1 really helps us to answer the question, where do we praise? The venue of praise. I like using that word because uh, a venue is the place where something happens, especially in a musical performance, an organized event such as a concert. We say that was a beautiful venue for that music. That was a beautiful performance in that venue. And so a venue is is a word that we use in the arts to describe the place of the performance, the place of the music. So where do we praise? The venue of praise. Notice Psalm 150, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in. This is where we see the place, the venue of praise. In his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of of his power. Now there are two ways that this parallelism can be understood. Some would would seek to to understand this parallelism as synonymous, saying the same thing. His sanctuary and the firmament of his power are the same. Some would say that actually there are there is a a parallelism here that's talking about two different Places, two different categories, two different spheres. Actually, the majority of the writers, the majority of the commentators that I studied on this do believe the second one of those is most accurate to what is being communicated in this text. Praise you the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. So I believe that the word sanctuary helps us to see that first we need to be praising God in the earthly place of worship, his sanctuary. The word sanctuary is the Hebrew word kodesh. It denotes something that belongs to the sphere of the sacred and which is set apart and distinct from that which is common. And I do think the translation with the word sanctuary is appropriate. There are very few translations that actually translate the word holiness, which is what the word means. So we could say praise him in his, in, the, in his holiness, but actually in the context, I think with the parallelism, it is important to recognize he's talking about the place of our worship, the venue of our worship. I personally believe that this is a reference to, first of all, the Israel, Israel's tabernacle or temple. I think there is an application to even our worship to, in, in the sanctuary at our local churches and, and probably most likely connecting the dots to the earthly temple. We are the temple of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. And so I think that the emphasis here is that in the earthly realm, there should be a place that is uncommon. There should be a, there should be a place that is holy, same word for holiness, that we, we worship God 
in the earthly place of worship. And then the second category is, he says, praise him in the firmament of his power. Or as some translations take that to to say, in his mighty heavens. The firmament referring, of course, to uh, the heavens, the universe, and, and of course, his, his mighty power connected with that. So I think that these are the two categories you see in verse 1. And the point that he's making is that it's kind of a universal place. It is, doesn't he fill heaven and earth? He says, do not I fill heaven and earth? So the point is, there's nowhere where God shouldn't be praised. There's nowhere where God shouldn't be praised. He's praised in the, earthly, or the heavenly realm and the heavenly sphere and the, the places and even the angels can give him praise. He is praised in the earthly place of worship, of the, the tabernacle, the temple, our local assemblies, which are the place of worship, our own hearts worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And the point is there is nowhere and no place where God should not be honored and extolled, acknowledged and affirmed with our responses and with our voices. This is the venue of praise. We're asking God to tune our hearts to sing his praise. Make my life a song of praise. And I'm just going to tell you something. Right here on Maranatha Baptist University campus, we should, we should have a significant place where we are worshiping the Lord. Right here with a group of believers. Right here and even in this chapel time. We should be praising the Lord. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him in the sanctuary. All right, so number one, the venue of worship. Let's notice number two, and probably most importantly in the text here in Psalm 150, let's notice the theme of our praise. The theme of our praise. In Psalm 150, verse two, the Bible says, praise him for his mighty acts. Sorry for the typo up there. This is verse two. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Just struck me, maybe it isn't verse two. Yes, it is, verse 2, okay? So sorry about that. It's not verses 3 and 4. So uh, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So obviously this verse reveals to us the primary category, the primary uh, information that should be guiding our praise. What is the theme of our praise? Most of you are aware of this this term, a motif. A motif is any distinctive feature or idea that recurs across a story or a composition. A A short succession of notes producing a single impression, a brief, melodic, or rhythmic formula out of which longer passages are developed. And the theme of a composition is developed with multiple motifs. And so I wanted to use that phrase because we are looking at a songbook here and there are actually two primary motifs that are revealed for us in this text. First of all, we praise him with the motif of his excellent greatness, developing the theme that it's all about God, developing the theme about his excellency. First of all, it's all about who he is. And when we talk about who he is, we are revealing his attributes. We praise him According to his excellent greatness. There's so much that could be said here. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works, and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. 
And God's attributes can be divided into what we call non-communicable and communicable attributes. Attributes that make him transcendent and attributes that make him eminent with us and and attributes that we can even ascribe to. And when you think about these categories, you you can have entire semesters talking about uh, the attributes and the theology of God and the doctrine of God. And and you can talk about how great he is and how powerful he is and how knowledgeable and, and how just and how loving and how holy. And we could go on and on. And I think the terminology here is including all of God's attributes. It's praising him for who he is, which is why we sing songs about God's character because that is the theme this motif comes into every act of praise we are praising him for who he is we praise him according to his excellent greatness and we praise him for his mighty acts and this is of course what he has accomplished for us not just for us but for all of his people and i think in the reference here there's probably a reference to the history of israel how he's he's rescued them and brought them out of egypt secured them, gave them the promised land, brought them, uh, brought them comfort through all of those times that we read about in the book of Psalms. But I think for us, there's, a, there's clearly an application for all of the amazing things that God has done. The speaking, of, the speaking of the word of creation, the sending of Jesus Christ in his incarnation, the redemption that we have through Christ. And, and I could go on and on. I could list the future development of our salvation, the glorification and the home in heaven and the new heaven and the new earth. And we praise God for his mighty acts. Don't you see how our, our focus this morning is lifting our hearts? It's tuning our hearts. When we get our eyes off of who we are and what we're doing and we think about who God is and what he has done and what he is doing, it tunes our hearts to have a life of praise that is focused on God. And this is the theme of our praise. Let's notice quickly the instrument of praise. And of course, we know these verses. This is amazing. Verses three through five. And I just need to mention this uh, quickly because we're running out of time this morning. But praise him with the sound of the trumpet. I like that because I, I play the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. And uh, there is a listing here of many of the ancient Hebrew instruments that we find in other places in the scripture as well. And here they are listed out. The trumpet, the psaltery, the harp, the timbrel, which we like a tambourine, the dance, which actually the, the word dance there is not a word that we would use to defend like the sensual dance of our culture. It literally means to jump and whirl. It means to jump and whirl in a circle. I would demonstrate that for you, but I'm not sure I should dance on the platform here this morning. But it is definitely not it is definitely not a word that is used to defend the kind of sensual dance to pop music in our culture today. Um, that's kind of an immature argument to say, well, the Bible says you should dance. I do think there are times where we have physical, physical motions, physical activities that are expressed, expressing our praise, that are appropriate to express the praise of our God. But I love this because he's mentioning all these different instruments. There are wind instruments. The organ is more like a flute or a reed pipe. Um, It's translated organ several times, but it's referring to a a wind instrument like a a flute. And then, of course, the two different types of cymbals. Uh, And I like when he says, praise him with the loud cymbals. If you've ever seen a cymbal crash, you know, right in the middle of the symphony or right, everybody wakes up. Everybody hears it. And sometimes our praise should be loud. Sometimes our praise should be 
an explosive celebration of who he is and what he has done. And then, of course, I put on there the voice, though it's not particularly mentioned here, but remember, these poems were meant to be sung. And I do believe the greatest instrument that we have is connected with our intellect, our emotion, and our volitional choice to open up our mouth and to give God glory with our voice. You say, I can't sing. Well, make a joyful noise, okay? Do the best you can. We should be singing with our voice. And the simple point is this. Give all of yourself in praise. Give all of your talents in praise. I think this is the application really from the listing of all of these things is to showcase that there are many different people that have different talents. And we we read about Jubal who who handled the, the harp and the organ, the harp and the flute. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. We, we read about people who are gifted musically. We have gifted musicians in this auditorium. Every one of us has talents. Every one of us has abilities. And the point that I'm making is that we are the instrument. We are to make our life a song of praise with whatever instrument God gives us. And of course, we all have a voice. We can give God praise. The instrument of praise. As we think about these things, we're just asking the Lord to tune our hearts. Maybe you need a heart correction. You need a heart correction because your focus is not on praising God. Your focus is on you and, and maybe problems and maybe the things that you're facing right now. And, and you need to tune your heart to give God praise. And finally, let's look at the extent of praise. The extent of praise. Psalm 150, uh, verse 6. Who is to praise? Well, Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I think this verse is absolutely clear that every one of us should be involved in praising the name of the Lord. And so uh, it reaches everybody. It touches you. It touches me. And, and I hope on this Monday with a snowstorm outside, with all the weights that we're, we're carrying with school, with all of the tiredness of our bodies, that even this morning God would do a little pitch correction and God would do a little tuning in our hearts that he would lift our hearts to extol him. And even as I'm talking, I hope there's something in your heart that says, yes, I just want, I want my life to be demonstrated with, with joy and, and with a smile and with praise on my lips. This is the way true believers ought to be living. Revelation 5 verse 13 says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. I've often said this, if you don't learn how to praise God now, you you may as well start learning because you're going to praise him forever. You're going to praise him in heaven. Psalm 145 verse 10, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. Psalm 145, verse 20, Thy mouth, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name. Notice all flesh, the extent is everything. Every creature, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, hallelujah. What a wonderful hymn that is. Then I already read for you Revelation 5, verse 13. So we're asking God to do something in our hearts from this inspired Hebrew poetry, this song Psalm 150, tune your heart toward a life of praise. Make my life a song of praise. I love these verses, Deuteronomy 10, verse 21. He is thy praise, and he is thy God. Jeremiah 17, verse 14, thou art my praise. And as we know that 
We praise Him now and we praise Him in the future. And someday for all eternity, we will be privileged to be demonstrating this life, this song of praise. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. This is the praise that we'll be giving in eternity. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and they worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. So we are, we are exhorted to praise now, and we are going to be praising then. I ask you this morning, is your life, is your life a song of praise? Tune my heart, O God, that I might have a life that is a song of praise. If anything, we should leave here today recognizing the greatness and the mighty acts of God that should put a smile on our face with whatever, we're hap- whatever is happening in our lives, good or bad, that we can say, God, you are worthy, you are worthy. Let everything that hath breath praise the name of the Lord. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this postlude of praise, this final hallelujah that we have seen in the psalm book of the Old Testament. Thank you for all the things that we have seen and heard and rehearsed in our hearts through all the psalms that we've looked at this year. And the climax and the exclamation and the the finale of our series in Psalms brings us to what what should be the result of all of the truth that we have seen. And that is, God, you are good. You are great. You are powerful. You are sovereign. You are doing and have done mighty things. Oh, Lord, direct our attention away from earthly troubles and pains and griefs and direct our attention to the heavenly realm, to your mighty heavens, that we would praise you here on earth and we would praise you someday in heaven and that we would be people that have a life that is a song of praise. God, I pray that you would give us joy today, give us a smile, give us a spring in our step, not necessarily because we feel good, but because we know who you are. Thank you so much for this amazing psalm that pushes us to voluntarily praise the name of the Lord. Help us to praise you even on this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.